when you feel fatigued, when you want to say no, when you don't want to go to the gym, when you don't want to make that sales call, when you don't want to get your funnel working, when you don't want to start new, when you don't want to say no to someone you should say no to or say yes to someone else you should say yes to. Literally for me still, I fall back on my why and when I think of my kids and going backwards and being in control, I could push through anything. Nothing will stop me. A bad day. I think that's the wrong question when you see somebody successful. I think it's, I think it's more of like asking them either what their why was or how they overcame obstacles or how they persevered. Welcome to the Dean Graziosi Show. All success starts right here. Seven Levels Deep was probably the biggest impact, uh, the biggest thing in the impact of my life ever. Really? Yeah, one, one day. So I, I hired a guy named Joe Stump. Do you know Joe Stump? No. Great guy, uh, he's in the marketing world, but I hired him because I want more engagement with my students. So it's, it's all about, if you can get somebody to digest some of your book, if somebody will read 30 pages yeah. of your book, they'll read the whole book. But how do you get them to the first 30 pages? So mm -hmm. I'm always obsessing and trying to create ethical bribes, whatever I can right, do right. to get you to take action, right? Um, we know books work, it's the books and the action. So I was always, so mm -hmm. anyway, so Joe comes in and he sa I said, I wanna do whatever I can. And he said, have you ever done the seven levels deep? Mm. I don't know where he got it from. This is probably about eight years ago. She was two, so about eight years ago. Um, and I said, well, if it's good, just give it to me. Right, right. I'll take it. I'll <laughs> yeah, take yeah. it. And he's like, I want to go through it with you. I'm like, right, listen. And, and I paid Joe 10 grand for half a day of, of consulting right. at the time. And he's like, I said, I don't want to go through it. I just want it. He goes, I won't give it to you unless you do it. So we sit there. And what the seven levels deep is, is finding everybody wants to know your purpose and what's, what's this meaning of life and what's my why and all that. I get it. And it's kind of played out. But right. I don't know if anything really gets to the heart of the of it as simple as this so what it basically hmm. was he's like why would you give me 10 grand for half a day and i said because i want to create a company that stands out from everybody else i want to engage more students change more lives and he basically said to me that's a, that's a really great answer so i asked you why i'm here and you said you want to engage more students and and get more people to change their lives so why is it important for you to engage more students and change people's lives. And I remember saying, you know, there's a lot of people in this industry that shouldn't be here and there's some great people. I want right. to help rise all boats of the good and push the rest out. I want to leave a legacy for my kids. So he said, okay, I asked you why you paid me 10 grand. I'm not gonna go through this whole thing. And he's like, you did this. You know, you said you wanted to stand out and you wanted to leave a legacy. So why is it important to leave a legacy? And the whole point is asking the previous question seven times. Mm. I took that that day. By the time I got to the third question, what happens is the third, when there was three questions left, I should say, he asked me four times, it switched from my head to my heart. And I felt my physiology change. I felt my emotions change. I felt like tears welling up. And when he asked me, and I don't even remember what the fourth thing I said, but the third thing I said was, I never want to go backwards. Mm. And he got me thinking about things I haven't thought about in years. Wow. I, I didn't like being the kid with hand-me-downs and I'd make my right. parents drop me off down the street with their junky car and I'd go to lunch. And, and this is not a poor me. I, I My life was designed to be exactly the way it was or I wouldn't be the man or the father I am today but there was days I'd go to school without lunch money and I just tell my buddies I'm not hungry because right. we didn't have a buck right so I never want to go back there and I felt that emotion and it 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 hit me so hard I'm like that's what it is and he's like well there's two more left so he said Dean why is it important that you never go backwards and I'm like God, I, I, I don't know and it hit me and I thought my kids I, I I just want to give them options. I don't want to raise entitled kids or brats, but I want to give them options that I didn't have. And I'm like, that's it. So he's like, well, that's not really it because it's seven. It's not nine. It's not five. It's seven <laughs> levels deep. And by now I'm crying because I'm thinking about my kids, sure. literally. And I got half my staff there and I'm like just weeping. And it came to me. He said, why is that important? And it just hit me. And I never knew why I worked so hard since I was cutting firewood in high school and did all this stuff. I said, I need to be in control of my life. 
and these emotions flooded in my parents. Everybody's got their thing, right? But for me, and I'm yeah. saying this because I want you at home to be, or when you're watching this, listen to this. I realized that my parents were married nine times when I was a kid. So I moved 20 times by the time I was wow. 19. Different stepbrothers, stepsisters. Both parents were married. Five for my dad. Wow. Five for my mom. Four for my oh dad. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's crazy. Always <sighs> moving. Like military kids know what that feels like, right? Wow. So I'd be in a cul-de-sac with a new stepdad, stepbrother, stepsisters, have the bike, no come way. home one day, and my mom's like, we're moving again. And then I move in with my dad, move in with my grandmother. So I had this crazy wow. hopscotch my whole There's childhood. No certainty. There was no certainty. So what I realized at that moment, literally, I'm bawling loose i mean like literally crying it's like i don't want anybody to ever tell me when to move how to dress how to live how to work who how i'm going to raise my kids it's definitely not going to kiss somebody's ass for money <laughs> right right and i realized at that moment my why was i i don't want to be a control freak i just want to be in control when i was 27 i retired both my parents i stopped worrying about them wow. i took care of my grandmother i take care of some like so i got those problems out of the way and when i anchored that in and you watching at home it's like if you think you're watching this because you want to be an entrepreneur, you want, or you already are. If you're watching this, you've already had great success in your life. You want that next level, or maybe it's income, or or better health, or better diet, or better physiology, whatever it is you want. So many times we think it's because I want to get out of that job. I want this freedom. I just want more money. I want to take the better vacations, and it's seven times deeper than that. Hmm. And when you find that, and the reason I know this, not only because it, it wasn't just transformational to me, transformational to me, is I did live events in Las Vegas for six years straight. Every single month, there was 400 people in the room that paid 20 grand to go to- Real estate events, right? Real yeah, estate events. Time, yeah. So about five and a half years, I did them um, every month in Las Vegas. So once a month, I'd fly in, and that was like the highest level. And I, every single month, I'd raise, I'd get, I'd pick somebody out of the audience, and I'd say, "Come on up, let's do the seven levels deep." Like, I got it, man. I know what it is. And I'm like, okay, so, like, I'm gonna give you a quick example. I, yeah, I, won't, yeah. I won't beat this up, but this is so important yeah. because when you feel fatigued, when you want to say no, when you don't want to go to the gym, when you don't want to make that sales call, when you don't want to get your funnel working, when you don't want to start new, when you don't want to say no to someone you should say no to, or say yes to someone else you should say yes to. Literally, for me, still, I fall back on my why and when I think of my kids and going backwards and being in control I could push through anything nothing will stop me a bad day I don't know what it's like to be sick because my mind I, I can program my brain to just power through because mm. I focus foundationally on this why right, right. so I get I remember this guy he was awesome this big dude he had dreadlocks he was like six foot seven I mean six wow. foot five he was huge this awesome dude he comes up he's like man I like pick me up he gives me this big <laughs> hug he's like Look. so I said why are you here he's like I already know dude you're not going to get seven levels on me you're not gonna. I've already done the exercise. He says, I'm here because in my neighborhood, there's no dads. There's not enough dads in my neighborhood. I grew up without a dad. These kids need dads. So I'm making money in real estate and I'm starting this youth group. I already had dad. We get dads together and we go spend these days. He had his, he had this amazing story. And I, I mean, I, I melted on the first one. And I said, well, why is that important? He goes, mm -hmm. dude, what do you mean? Why is that important? He, of course it's important. And he's laughing. He's joking. And he gives me another reason. I want more money because I want to build a building for it. But I could tell he was still in his head. Uh-huh. He gets the number two or one and his everything changed on him. He gets small and he starts crying. I mean, like uncontrollable crying. And he gets to his number one. He's like, my mom raised a good boy, but when she died nine years ago, I was a drug addict. Mm. And she never saw the man she created. And she said, I'm showing her in heaven what a man she, I mean, I'm saying it right now. I wow. got physical good. Yeah. He said that. And I said, he said, I'll never stop now. 
I'll never mm. stop. And again, we all have our own reasons for doing stuff. But when you get to the heart of why you're watching, why you do what mm. you do, it's so much deeper than what you think. And I forget sometimes. I, I hope I don't sit here and feel like, seem like I got my life all figured out. I've been blessed to have mm. more. I've had more blessings in my life than I ever could imagine. If somebody would have told me at 25, this is where I'd be, I'd say impossible. It's, it, so I, I appreciate my blessings, but I'm not I'm not perfect at all this stuff, but when I mm. practice these habits, when I think through this, when I recognize my why, the days that I'm off track, the days I think I bit off more than I can chew, or the days where I feel like I plateaued, when I go back to that why, it's like game over. You're not getting in my way. Nothing is. Mm. Mm. Wow. You got me emotional. What is the, uh, I mean, you've achieved so much over the years. You know, you said in the first 18 months, 150 million in sales, you know, and that was 20 years ago. And the things you've created now, 10, yeah, but 10 years ago, yeah. and the things you've created now, you've created so much. You've impacted so many lives. It sounds like you don't need to work or need to keep pushing. Yeah. Um, but why do you, what's the dream and why do you keep going after it? So I think it's three things. So real quick, I think there's three types of entrepreneurs. There's an entrepreneur who wants to work under the blanket of someone else, right? They're the company, they're the person that's in a company like, man, that guy, that woman, mm -hmm. she just, she, they want to rise up through the ranks and be an entrepreneur, but kind of with the safety net. And it doesn't make mm -hmm. them better or worse than anybody else. I mean, without yeah. the implementers the in team. your life, without the team, yeah, yeah. who would I be without the amazing yeah, yeah. people on my team? Secondly, there's lifestyle entrepreneurs. Like my buddy Dean Jackson, he's got this, I know I'm being successful when list. This is cool. For anybody who's got a lifestyle entrepreneur, there's just a certain amount of money. He says, I know I'm being successful when I don't I don't have an alarm clock in my house and it never goes off. I wear <laughs> black t-shirts every day and no one gives a shit. Yeah. Uh, um, I golf, you know, I golf at least five times a week. Right. I live on a $50,000 a month net income. I live like, what do you say? I live like an artist with a trust fund, except I don't know how to paint. So he's got this, he's, he, so he, he like, he has this list. He knows it. he's being successful when, and that's, that's lifestyle entrepreneur. And then there's entrepreneurs that just want to keep, that just want to, they're accomplishment based. It has mm. nothing to do with the money. They thought it was, the and I think this with me, they thought it was when I get the money and success out of the way, then I could stop worrying. And it's not. It's the next accomplishment. What well, can you it's do? The this, game. this, it's yeah. It's it's the game, and I think it converts. That's why you see somebody like Richard Branson that that his whole life now is is uh, Virgin Unite. Mm -hmm. You know his charity. I, I spent a couple of weeks with him out in his island because we, me and Joe Polish raised a million bucks yeah. for him. So we got to spend time with him, and, and he started that same process, made all the money, and then now he's still driven. But now it's how many more schools he could build in Africa. Mm -hmm. So it never changes. It just but always have your focus on something. Like you see people who go to you know Warren Buffett his age, he's still crushing because he has a bigger purpose. We always have to have that. So mm. I would say, yeah, I, you know, a couple of years ago, especially when the kids are young, I was thinking of, should I just cash out and spend 10 years being a dad? But I, I wouldn't be the best me. I love accomplishing. I love mm -hmm. creating. I love something new, uh, you know, so. Mm. What do you want to accomplish in your life? What's the big thing? The big thing is, uh, you know, I, I'm first and foremost, I'd love to say it's, you know, I, I'd say top two is showing people an easier path. I think most people are, 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 they're driving a hundred miles an hour and they don't know where to go. It's like, mm. even if they got a Ferrari engine, they don't have any GPS and it's like, nice. everybody's going fast. And most of the time they think it's going to be this dramatic, spectacular thing. And a lot of teams, it's the same thing that they could have learned from Dale Carnegie or Earl Nightingale mm. or Napoleon Hill or, or somebody, you know, it's just these simple core things that can make them slow down and achieve. And, and I think that I can, I think I have the ability to deliver a message in a way that it sticks. And that's what I've been blessed to do in real estate is it's not that I had found the only way to make money in real estate, but I'm the, I was the biggest real estate educator in the entire world. There was nobody even close to me. It was like second, second through 20th place didn't make up the volume <laughs> right. I did. Right. Right. And there was other guys that were great at education, 
I just think I found a way to deliver it. It's probably because of my dyslexia and my learning disabilities and mm -hmm. stuff. I found a way to give people recipes. So I would say the a big fuel is is getting people these strategies in their hands so they could see there's a better way. But the number one is is to just be a, a totally present and impactful father. Mm. Like I, it's it's just where I'm at, and it's magical age. Anybody who's watching it remembers their kids eight, ten years old. It's like they're just. It's all. I'm still Superman. They still love me. <laughs> In two, three years, it, it's yeah, downhill, yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> so I'm, I'm gonna absorb it while I can. You know, That's cool. a couple of years, I might have a you know a new. Um, uh, mm. you know, thing for trying to get teenagers to like you or something. I don't know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> sure. What's the, um, the thing people miss, um, understand about you the most? Um, I would say, cause I did infomercials for years. Me and years. Tony and I had this conversation. A lot of times when somebody sees you on an infomercial, it's like, oh, that guy's, a, I, you know, that guy's gotta be a huckster. He's just schlepping books on a, on an infomercial. So I think the right. biggest misconception is that uh, I'm an introvert. When I'm on stage or on camera or mm. an interview, I love it. But if I go to my kid's school function, there's a whole bunch of people around. I'm the one hiding in the really? corner or playing with the kids. I'm not a networker. I've never mm. had a business card in my entire life. And I think some people, when they see that, if they're looking from afar, if they don't come up and shake my hand, people will say, oh, that guy, he's he's too good for everybody. He doesn't talk to anybody. Uh, I really don't know. I'm I'm hiding. Sure. Right? So I would say that. And and I think the infomercial thing, you know, I'll give, I got just one more thing about Tony Robbins. The first time I met him uh, about five years ago, I go up to his hotel room. He's doing a date with Destiny. He invites me up for lunch. And I get there and we're talking for like 15 minutes. And he stands up and he picks up and he gives me a hug. And he says, I, I got to apologize to you. He's like, I almost canceled this meeting today because you're an infomercial guy. And he goes, I made a judgment. And he goes, what an ass, because I was the infomercial guy. Yeah. He goes, I've been trying to run away from it because people look at you and wonder. And he said, and I judged you wrong. And we've been really close since then. So I think that those two things are probably the biggest. Mm. Wow. Hmm. So I'm surprised you still do infomercials then if you think so many people, you know. Yeah, you know what? So I... I don't mind because it's all about the message. Yeah. I want to get my message out there. I've been off TV for two and a half years on purpose by choice. Um, but with Millionaire Success Habits, I just I ran across Larry King, who was a big impact mm. in my life. We met. I said, do you want to do a show? I, you're the one who inspired me to do sit down information. So he interviewed you. He interviewed me. And the funny <laughs> thing is, so I'm going to digress here for a minute. Yeah. I'm going <laughs> to digress on two things that are really funny. So eight, nine years ago, I'm watching Larry King interview Joel Osteen. Mm -hmm. He says to Joel, I'm, I'm guessing nine, nine, ten years ago, he says to Joel, I'm a Jew. I don't believe in Jesus. That means I'm going to hell. I'm like, oh my God. Could you imagine wow. getting asked that on Larry King where there's millions of people watching? Joel like turned different colors. He didn't know how to answer. And and if, if you don't know who Joel Osteen is, like the biggest pastor in yeah. the world, right? Um, so I see that and I remember thinking, oh my God, could you imagine if Larry just looked at the camera and said, hey, like Joel or not, if you'd like to get his book, call our show. And that's what inspired me to do a Larry <laughs> King show. I just oh, wow. thought, so I raced and I built a set like Larry King. I spent four grand for I've Larry it, yeah, King's microphone, right? I did all this stuff. I do an interview and that was my big breakout show. That's when my company mm. went from 10, 15 million a year. We broke a hundred million dollars in a year within 18 months because of that sit down live. I with the other guy, it's script. like the, the bald guy or the bald yeah, guy. Yeah, we had different guys. Okay, yeah, we had yeah, different guys through the years, but we did all these different yeah, yeah, things, yeah. right? So I say that. And so Larry King inspired me to do that. It was just the change. Now That's everybody cool. does sit down interviews, but I was the first one out there and the first one who sold a book. On the infomercial. On the infomercial, yes. direct to consumer. So we sell the book. Larry makes an impact in my life. He doesn't know it. Fast forward years. Now Larry comes. I haven't used that set in ages. We wheel it back out because Larry's coming, my right, gosh. to do this interview. 
And I'm I'm nervous, like I'm a little kid. Larry sure. King's coming. I mean, I know you know Larry. Larry's sitting right here when yeah, I interviewed him. Yeah. Yeah. So Larry comes and he gets there, and we go to dinner that night. And the next day, he comes in the studio, and he, I'm telling him this story. And as a, he's kind of not paying attention to me, he looks over and he goes, "You know, the mic is supposed to be here." No way. And he moved it. I was just like, "Oh, this is so amazing." <laughs> and we just riffed. He goes, "You have questions for me?" I said, "Here's my goal, Larry. I, I do. I have all your questions, and they're loaded on a teleprompter. But why don't you just start?" the show like you always start your shows when you say to somebody, why this book, why now? He used to yeah. say that all the time. And he goes, Dean, you don't need this. Why the hell are you doing a book now? And we just riffed for a half hour. And so wow. that's everybody watching. You guys will see that show. It's, so there's no pre, and there's no questions wow. he really used off the no, prompt. He, he just, just kind of went just, off one he, or two. And Yeah, and we rocked it. And, and the show yeah. tested. It's solid. It'll be out in February. Wow. So can I tell you a really funny story? Sure. Larry, if you, he is a, he's an amazing joke teller. Amazing joke and storyteller. Oh my God, there's nobody he's better in the Jokes place. for days. Yeah, and, and I'm, I don't know if you know who Harvey McKay is. Yes. Swim and Sharks. So last Friday... Larry came to my office and Harvey's there. Wow. They're there for two hours. I'm between these two, 83 and 84 years old. They got more history <laughs> and stories and they're just outdoing each other with stories. Yeah. It's nonstop. And I just, and they'd look at me and I'd be like, I got nothing. Just yeah, you guys yeah, keep going. Your thing. So Larry's, Larry for like the, all the years he's doing mm. live with Larry King, they have this, they have, he has a producer who's like a practical, a prankster. Mm. And he said, but big time, really good at what he does. Wow. And he said, anytime that someone was in the office a little off or, bo or or grumpy, they'd get him. So he said they had this guy, I don't know what department, but he was kind of a pain in the ass for lack of a better word. Sure. So they wanted to get him. So the guy came in every day structured. He came in with his briefcase, his hat, his overcoat. He'd hang his hat, hang his overcoat up and go to work. So they went and found the hat the exact hat and bought one two sizes too small. Oh my gosh. So every day he'd come in, they let him go for a week where he'd go to put the hat on. No way. And he couldn't get over his head. Like me, I'd have to tell the guy like in a day. So the guy's freaked out. He's coming in off, like just off. He thinks his head's swell, right? Oh my gosh. So then they didn't just leave it there. I'm like, then you told him? He goes, no. He goes, then we bought a hat two sizes too big. Shut and up. And we left that there for a week. And he said he was rolling up paper and stuffing it in no his hat. No way. And I'm like, oh my God. I mean, but Larry tells that story so amazing. Oh and then they finally told him after two weeks. That's hilarious. Anyway, wow. I didn't mean to digress. It was just a funny story. No, it's amazing. Um, is there any question that you wish more people would ask you um, that they don't ask? God, that's a really good. That's a really good question. Um, yeah, probably how to get. You know, I, I think, and I watched this when we when we did the fundraiser with Richard Branson. We went there. I watched everybody trying to ask him, like, "How'd you get to be a billionaire?" and I don't. Th I think that's the wrong question when you see mm. somebody successful. I, I think it's. I think it's more of like asking them either what their why was or how they overcame obstacles or how they persevered. Mm -hmm. So I, I think, and and I don't think it's about our. It's about the story. It's just I think so many people give up on the five yard line. I think I think so many of you are just there and you think it's so much heavier. It, it, when you start playing at a higher level, there's not a lot of competition. No. And it's not doing, I'm not doing much different. I'm just being honest with you. I'm not doing much different now than I did yeah. to start my collision shop yeah. and start my auto sales. I'm doing the same thing just on a bigger scale. I still have to overcome negativity. I still have to get out of bed. I still am stressed some days. And there's some days I question myself. There's some days I make bad decisions. And it's just how you get over them, how you handle it, and how you go forward is is everything. Yeah. And, and and you say that, and I, I'm talking and thinking at the same time, and, and I don't know how much time we have left, but I would say the last thing, or, or one of the last things I'd love people to, to really think about is their thoughts. You Have you ever read The Untethered Soul? No. It's got to put it on your list. Okay. It's, it's an, I'm, how about Eckhart Tolle, The Power Now? Sure, yeah, sure yeah. You read that? I have, yes. Okay, so and Untethered Soul is, for me, it's it's that and, and so much more. It's a, it's a great book. Wow. Um, 
so I don't know if you had another question. So I think, so I, I'll reframe that. It's that one. Yes. But if it's one specific question, I'd love for people to say, how do you be the observer of your thoughts? Hmm. And that's something. So how do you? Yeah. And that's something I would, I would, I, and the only reason I say this is because I've been obsessed with it for the last <laughs> three years because I want to be the observer of hmm. thoughts immediately and I'm not there yet. I want it to trigger because when you're having a bad day, an angst day, a stressful day, you feel off or overwhelmed. Most of the time, it's just the thoughts we're having in that particular day. And when you can look back and view those thoughts, you can make a decision to throw them out or not let that spin you up or feel it for 10 minutes and then throw it out. But when you leave them there, they just linger. And the more I've become aware of my thoughts, mm. the more I've evolved as a person. So again, I'm sitting here because my daughter, you're probably bored to death on love you. Uh, she's doing great over there. Uh, I'm going to tell a story about her. I am trying to observe my thoughts as they happen. So yeah. I don't know if she'll remember this, but we were, we were, and, and I'm sharing this as my story, but I want you to put yourself in these shoes. This could be your husband, your wife, your kids, your coworker, your partner, people you do business with, employer, employees, but we're at breakfast and breakfast is really important to our family. We have breakfast mm. every single day and, and I cook for them most of the time. And so we sit at breakfast and we try to have conversations about gratitude and all this kind of stuff. And my son, Brody, was obsessed with these crayons. And they were like these crazy colors. They weren't red. They were like aqua blue, marine, something. Sure, sure. So I'm sitting there using them. And, and I pull it out. I go, God, this is a cool color. And he names it. And I'm telling this for a reason. So I pull out another. He names all. I was at 25 or 50 in that pack. So he names all of them these big, long names. I'm like. Dude, what an incredible <laughs> gift. I couldn't memorize these if I spent a month trying. Right. That's not my, how my brain thinks. But that's him. He's this structured, organized kid. Huh. So Bree, uh, she says to me, I can do that. So I don't know if you remember this, hon, but she studied it. And like five minutes later on the second one, she didn't remember. I'm like, we're all blessed with different gifts. I couldn't remember. He does that, but she, my daughter's the inventor. She comes up mm. with ideas that are real, not not kid inventions. She's going to be amazing. She's going to be the visionary. My son's going to be the implementer. If you sure. ever read Rocket Fuel, that's the two sure. kids I have. I yeah. have an implementer and a visionary, right? <clears throat> so when she tried, all of a sudden, she got upset and started mm. almost crying. And she said, because there was so much attention going to my son. Of course. And she says, Dad, it's because you spend more time with Brody than me in the mornings. Mm. And I remember just having the immediate thought that may have came from my dad or the way I was brought up. And I said to her, Bree, don't lie to me and don't lie to yourself. That's not true. I, I work my butt off to be completely equal. And you're telling yourself a lie. It's not a good story. And I went on this rant and she tucked it up. She stopped tears. She tucked it up. It was the first time ever that she left the house without kissing me goodbye mm. ever. And I'm like, well, she just got to learn that lesson. Yeah. And she left for about a half hour. And I like, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Like I observed that thought I had. And what I basically told my daughter is that I didn't give a shit about her feelings, that it didn't mm. matter how she felt, right. that dad was right. Tuck it down. I right. said, if she was married to a man and I watched her try to tell her husband about her feelings, how she was feeling. And he basically told her to shut up and tuck it down. I'd have a talk with that dude right. if he's married to my daughter. And I treated my daughter that way. I got in my car because I only because I'm sharing this because I, I practiced trying to observe what's going on. Why am I feeling this way? What is this thought I'm having? Step back, look at it. When I stepped back and looked at it, I knew I screwed up. I drove mm. to school 100 miles an hour. She even was, if you were right. Even if I was right. No, I, it's not I, about, might been, I might have been right that I keep equal time. Yes. But I didn't acknowledge her feelings. Exactly. I didn't acknowledge her feelings. I mean, and that's the gift of selling. It's not what people need. It's what they want and how they feel, mm. right? So 
I told her her feelings were off. I drove to her school 100 miles an hour. You were at chapel. Do you remember I came and got you out of chapel? I got her out of wow. chapel and I walked her outside and I said, Dad screwed up. I wow. said, I may have been right in context, but I wasn't right in telling you your emotions mean something, your feelings mean something. And we had a great talk. We hugged, we kissed. Her and I had the best relationship in the world. And, and I left and I felt amazing and she felt amazing. Mm. And I never would have caught that if I wasn't observing my thoughts. So I say that story about my family, my daughter who's sitting here right now, but who, who are you not, you know, what thoughts are clouding your judgment in a marriage or in a relationship or in your partnership or trying to get a, a raise or taking your life to another level, whatever it is in your life, most of the time it's those thoughts mm. that Powerful. are messing with us. And if you can, yeah. you can observe them, you can adjust them. <clears throat> Amazing, man. Um, I've got a few final questions okay. for you. This has been great. Uh, this one's called the three truths. Okay. So it's uh, many, many years down the line. You've achieved everything you want, but it's your last day. It's your last day here. Okay. Right? And you know it's the last That's day. Your whole, your whole family is there, friends, yeah. everything. Um, for whatever reason, all your books have been erased from time. Okay. I know you've sold hundreds of millions of them at this point. Yeah. They're all gone. Okay. And uh, someone in your family comes up and says, I have a piece of paper and a pen. And all you get to do is write down three things you know to be true about everything you've experienced in your life. The three simple truths or the three lessons that is all we would remember you by physically. Because yeah. all the all stuff in the books is gone. What would be the three truths for you? Um, wow. What a great question. I'm glad I didn't know that one in advance because I would have thought about it right too now. much. That's really good. <laughs> um, I think the three truths are that, um, it's not the objects. It's the things that we get to experience. Mm. So you can't buy your way. I, I, lot, I had a lot of pain as a kid, which we all, and I, I, I know I thought for a time in my life that money would fix that. And there's nothing more than the experience. My daughter's on her first trip with me as a business trip. This will last. This is worth millions to me. I'd give up all my books to have that. So it's the it's the moments and the experience, not the things. Um, is one. I would say, um, well, um, that I lived true. Okay, this is a really good question. Sorry, I'm like <laughs> it's all good. But um, I would say success is easier than people think like i i think i like there's a lot of days i'm like man when is everybody gonna figure out i'm not that smart <laughs> i'm just being honest i literally for years i would say people are gonna figure i'm not that smart i'm just enthusiastic and mm -hmm. and you know and i have the momentum and and so i would say that that truth is don't be over prepared be overly enthusiastic and committed mm. um and i would say last is um that i found a way to not to let thoughts be things, not who I am. If thoughts can be automatically a thing, but not who I am at my soul, then, then I lived a good life. If you like today's podcast, then you're going to love being a part of my texting community. What's that mean? You could text me right now at 480-400-9019, or it should be below right here. And it comes directly to my phone. It doesn't go to my team. It comes to me. I've been absolutely loving the interaction. I send out some cool things. About once a week, I text nothing but things to get your week going, to get your mind thinking. And when we have new videos and things like that, I always text my community first. It has absolutely been a blast. And I'd love for you to do it right now. Text me, 480-400-9019. Do it. Text me.